This is Luke Gygax. Having trouble with the antithesis of wheel? Don't worry, you've come to the right place. You're listening to Save or Die. You burst through the door, you find a small room filled with golden jewels. Like a red dragon, he starts to breathe. Save or die! The Save or Die Podcast, a podcast about classic Dungeons and Dragons. Bring on your goblin holes and band of oaks, hulking zombies and bulls, and oh no, no troll, don't slow me down, oh no. Okay, gotta wait for Liz. Is the line outside the bathroom long enough? Oh, now, no. now I don't feel so bad for having the bladder <laughs> of a kobold. <laughs> Here we are, once again, episode 86, Save or Die. As usual, DM Mike doing the opening. And I'll try not to do my on-the-spot questioning this episode, but no qual- no promises. <laughs> and with me is DM Jim. Jim, DM Jim. DM Glenn. Uh, yeah, here. DM Liz. Uh, more or less here. And guest DM Matt. Hello, internets. Woohoo! Yay! You know, last time he was on one of our podcasts, I said I was going to call him DM Odinist because we have another DM Matt, but I ended up for the rest of the show calling him Matt. So we'll just <laughs> call him Matt. So there. <laughs> and now you'll call him DM Odinist because you're yeah. saying you'll just call him DM Matt. Anyway, this episode, we're going to be talking about. Uh, Matt's module, Minds of Baldheim? Baldhum. 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 Okay. Yes. Okay, hang on. Are we doing that? Do thing? not ask for who <laughs> the bell holds. <laughs> Are we doing that thing where we're going to review a product again with the author right here on the show with us? You got yep. it. Yep. That cramps my style, man. Aw. Oh. Oh, well, Matt, close your ears. Go ahead. Okie dokie. Well, we are also going to review Fat Dragon Games uh, minis, paper minis props, and he's not here, so... That's okay. true. Two dragons for that one. What? <laughs> yeah. We've got... Two very little dragons. We got two little of the, white ones. We got two in the Mountain King to review on that. That was, you, the, that was the set that you used? That was, that was part of the set we used, and uh-huh. Matt used parts of it in his game, and we will get his view on it, too. Oh, those would be perfect Excellent. for this module. Sure would. So... He'll have some at-the-table opinions to give on the stuff. That is correct, sir. Cool. All right. But as we usually do, we're going to talk about what we've been doing in gaming since our last episode. And we will start with Glenn. Oh, just uh, yesterday killed a mummy and some rat men. That's about it. Yeah. No. Uh, killed a mommy? A mummy. <laughs> oh, a dwarf. Yeah, I was about to say, dude. A dwarf mummy in Matt's game. A dwummy. A dwummy. Yes. <laughs> and we kill. We found out how bad ratans can be. Ratans are Skaven from Warhammer converted over to Labyrinth Lord. 
Uh, it's nice. been a long time since I played Warhammer <laughs> Fantasy Roleplay. I didn't realize how bad they can be. Um, disease-carrying bites and claws and things like that, which didn't bother me, but what bothered me was they were AC3. Yarg. Yeah, it's like I have to have at least an 18 to hit them. Thank you very much. Oh, boohoo. Did you have to actually work for your XPs for change? Uh, we always work for our XPs. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, we're always throwing Brad in front of us and stuff, all right? You know? Hey, Liz? Yeah? Giant rats. Ah! No. Yep. Oh, man, these things were... They were not easy. Um, I just... Matt just berated me today about, you know, you should get more mixed into the fight. And it's like, I just got a ranged weapon. Okay. <laughs> what's your, cl- what's your character? Cleric. Fifth level cleric. Ah, with a ranged weapon. Yeah. I have a light crossbow with blunt bolts. <laughs> oh, I like, got like rabbit blunts. Yeah. I care. I carry around some fireplace soot in a bag so I could dip it in there and then hit them. So they got this big mark on their head and stuff. So I can see where I hit them. Kind of like, uh, you know, you know, tag dude, you said that hey, Jim. in my head, I got a picture of those green arrow arrows that have like the, the boxing glove on the end. <laughs> <laughs> Love to do that. Matt. <laughs> yes. Setting fire to things is not shedding blood. <laughs> and also i from uh from jason cranch i got some stuff in the mail some uh thunder rift stuff and a tnt module and my third copy of the rule cyclopedia <laughs> i have to decide what i want to do with it and give it away or keep it but it's going to get signed at north texas so um, and, oh, I got the four, we, we all got this, but I got the hard copy of the seven voyages of Helm Zylarthen. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got the hard copy. Yeah. We've got one yes. Which we will, uh, probably review somewhere down the road. Yeah. They, they look nice. Anyway, that's it. Okay. Jim. Oh, dudes, I am such a loser. I, uh. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, but I had to, I'm such a loser. I haven't gamed. No, no, <laughs> that, that, that's what I was about to say. I am Mister. The game goes on no matter what, and I had to cancel my uh, Mutant Crawl Classics game last night because I have been chained to my desk and my drafting table for two weeks getting Gary Con stuff done. It's Con season. Uh oh. But uh, it's all for good cause. There'll be uh, <laughs> five pages of Marvin the Mage comic in the events guide. A 24-page comic they're going to give away in the swag bag, and that uh, Dave Trampier uh, Monster Manual Goblin I put on Facebook, that's going to be on the Stadium Cups, and the D6 on the one pip is going to have the Demon Head Idol from the Player's Handbook. How cool is that? Wow. Sweet. I want one of those. Tell me they're at least letting you into Gary Con free for that. Uh, Yeah, I'm one of the guest people. Cool. For some odd reasons. Nice, nice. No, no, I, I, I volunteered to help out this year because I wanted to give back because they started having me up there as a guest uh, two years ago. So they invested in me early, and I'm just trying to pay back and help it be all about celebrating Gary's life because that's what the whole con's about. Yeah, excellent. Well, hopefully you'll, once you get some, get your head above water, as it were, you can get back to doing some gaming. Next, next week. Next week. Okay. Liz? Well, we're doing our weekly second edition game. Pretty much finally wrapped up the whole big storyline with the 
undead pirate and all of that stuff. Oh, God. So, (laughs) yeah, it was a fun story, but I think we were all starting to get to the point where it was like, can we just finish this finally? (laughs) Yeah, this story arc has lasted uh, about a month or two over a year. It's like you're watching a movie and you're thinking, this is a really great idea and a story but the movie went on for maybe half an hour too long (laughs) that's kind of how we felt about the game you know you guys have been playing you guys have been playing in a peter jackson movie pretty much yeah pretty much yeah (laughs) like okay ending fatigue (laughs) yeah we finally did all that and we're we've all everybody's leveled up and we're getting ready to do the next big story now. So we're we're kind of in a holding pattern at this point. We're getting all Temple our- of Elemental Evil. Ooh. What level are you guys up to now? Um seventh. Yeah, I'm eighth level now. So we're all either seventh or eighth level. Sweet. I think uh the mage is what, eighth or ninth? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. What about you, Mike? Well, since Liz didn't mention it, I will. Um, part of the ending, after killing the undead pirate, we were going to the lawful good temple. Or they were. My elf stayed stayed behind. Um, they went to the uh, lawful good temple, and they did the whole star- end of Star Wars thing. You know, everybody getting called up for <clears throat> giving given rings. And these nice. great rings were supposed to give permanent protection from evils. Wow. And Jonathan, the magic user, gets up there, and the high priestess gives him the ring protection from evil and starts going, It bends! It bends! (laughs) (laughs) We're like, oh, my God. (laughs) I have a 10 charisma! So, so the magically that didn't result in our horrible deaths, but or their horrible deaths. As I said, my character stayed at the tavern. (laughs) So you guys outed your magic user. (laughs) You unfortunately, unfortunately, because his character stayed at the tavern. um, Mike's character also missed the incredibly fun games of sport. That the, <laughs> the Temple of Lathander hosted later that day, and our paladin decided he was going to enter into the games, and he wanted to joust. Okay, first, However, my, 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 I got to insert my gripe against proficiencies. Oh, the, I, I, was, I, I was going to mention that. Okay, okay. Yes. Well, the guy playing our paladin, um, his name's Preston. Anyway, he thought he would game the system by... Since in second edition, and Glenn, you can tell me if if I'm getting this correct, but as a paladin, if you have your favored mount, you automatically get the effects of having the proficiencies of you know land of riding land based animals, that sort of thing. I have it to say, co- I have to say yes. Yeah, it comes naturally with your favored mount. Well, because of that, he thought. I just I won't bother to purchase those proficiencies because when I have a favored mount, I will have them automatically. He does not have a favored mount yet, though. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have land-based riding or 
any kind of animal <laughs> husbandry or anything like that. So basically, he's a paladin who knows crap about horses. <laughs> so he's gone to the stables to choose a mount from the stables of the temple to ride into battle. Now, he, he's got Lance as a weapon proficiency. On foot, but he doesn't have riding. <laughs> okay. So, the DM, who's his older brother, says, okay, you're looking over the horses. You want to choose one. Give me a wisdom roll. So, he rolls, and he rolls a 19 and totally fails. So, he picks the worst horse in the entire stable. An ungelded stallion that they keep primarily to, you know, keep up bloodlines and stuff. <laughs> I see you. Bloodshot eyes. Oh. Yes. I the horse's you. name is Widowmaker. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets on the horse. It takes four grooms with, with ropes to tow the horse out onto the field. <laughs> and he's strapped in so that he can't fall off. Because he can't ride. Because he can't ride. <laughs> so it the the flag goes down or whatever it is that they do. The horse is released. He starts running, takes a ninety degree turn, and just goes off the field, jumps over a fence, and starts riding hell bent for leather into town. <laughs> and the paladin is just hanging on for dear life, trying to get the horse to stop. Where Mike's characters in the tavern go? What, what the heck? What, what the hell is that? No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no expert on the rules of jousting, but that's a default, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I I think the other guy won. <laughs> And so the paladin, to get the horse stopped, starts punching it in the back of the head with his gauntlet. (laughs) He's punching the horse in the head with his gauntlet. And the horse is trying to get rid of him, but he's strapped in so he can't come off the saddle. But he starts doing that horse thing where he goes... Low... Right, you know, you know, low-hanging signs and things to smack into him <laughs> as he rides underneath them, and oh, it was awful. And finally, the horse falls over and decides to roll with Preston strapped in, oh. and <laughs> Preston gets a leg broken, and my cleric is riding after them. He did manage to cut himself free of the saddle, though. Yeah, but by the time I follow the swath of destruction through the town and find where they are in this alleyway, Preston's paladin has cut himself free of the horse. He's got the broken leg. He's using his lance as a crutch to stand upright with. And the horse and he are just kind of staring at each other, some sort of Mexican standoff. (laughs) (laughs) And long story short, they apparently had a male bonding moment because of all of that. And Widowmaker is now is favored. favored. His bonded mount. Yes, his bonded mount. <laughs> 15 next piece of damage and a broken leg. Wow. Later, they bonded. What, what, what did you say, Matt? I said that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Isn't it? That yeah. was just... <laughs> Like, so you two beat each other up, and now you're friends. Okay. <laughs> Once in a while. It's Miller time. 
once again, so once in a while you feel you're in the wrong game. <laughs> that that is the essence of old school. There, all that got role played instead of just right, what do I have to roll to get my mount? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you mean like find familiar? Oh, boy. Well, that sure sucked the air out of this okay. room. Um, <laughs> well, but, Matt, what did, unless you're – anything else, Liz? Um, that, that, that's, that was all the really interesting bits I could think of. <laughs> Matt? Yeah, same here. Um, of course, uh, Angry Monk's game has gone on hiatus while we're all trying to get our scheduling up again. So, DM Matt, what have you been up to? Um. Well, I've been playing Dagger with my five-year-old uh, here lately, and that's been a blast. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, he plays a lot like Brad. He farts on things after he defeats them. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty awesome. If we let him get away with it, Brad would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, on Thursday, we had our Star Wars game that Gin, uh, Glenn's been playing in with this. Yep. So that's been awesome because I'm playing a Wookiee. Uh, <laughs> So I just have to make a bunch of loud noises whenever I'm RPing. He's already pulled <laughs> one one arm out. Yes, yeah. I uh, I used uh, we got attacked by a group of uh, bad dudes, and uh, I used one of their own to beat up the rest of them. So it was pretty awesome. It's officially and badass then, uh, when you beat a guy to death yeah. with another guy. Exactly. Yep. And then uh, on Saturday, I killed Brad again. So yes. He is now playing another gnome, Mike. Yay. With a monkey. <laughs> well, of course, with a monkey. Because he's a pirate gnome. Yar! <laughs> Captain Hook nose. <laughs> Yar! That is a fun, fun game, no matter what you say, Jim. Uh... <laughs> okay, Dagger, uh, just to clarify for listeners, Dagger is... Uh, it's a really stripped down BX for playing with kids. Okay. They, uh, it's, um, the combat mechanics are BX. Of course, they, uh, the class choices are, uh, knight, elf, dwarf, or uh, wizard and, uh, no clerics, but the, they give the elves and the wizards, uh, cure light wounds, uh, no ability scores, but you have a, your t- hit table, uh, they directed the DM to the BX rules to fill in any blanks that they left, but it's a pretty cool system. It gives you a single saving throw, kind of like Swords and Wizardry. Uh, it's uh, generous with XP, and uh, it's it's I don't know. It's really good for kids. My, my, like I said, I've been playing with my five year old, and it's a uh, it simplifies the mechanics enough that he has no problem with it. Is there an age cool. range that it's recommended uh, for? Yeah, I think they say like. Four to four to twelve or five to twelve or somewhere in there. That's awesome, sir. Uh, Job, uh, Judge Job over at Spellburn plays Dungeon Crawl Classics with his five year old, and when he tells us a story, sometimes I don't know whether to call child services or not. <laughs> <laughs> Man, <laughs> damn! So it's awesome. There's so a game I, I take like it, that. I take it no punches are pulled when he's running the games for his kid. <laughs> <laughs> like the monster rips their heart out, and he has them describe it to him. Something nice. <laughs> but it's awesome. Here's my like description. A, a, Ow. <laughs> dagger sounds awesome, though. Yeah, it's pretty neat. 
Yeah, and he's been killing us in our Labyrinth Lord game, so. Just Brad. Just Brad. That's true. That's true. We came close. We came close last time. I kept seeing TPK in my head. With those, I was trying. I know you were with those ratting. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> Stock up on the healing spells. And we had like, I had like, something like six to eight vials of holy water I made myself. It's like, wow, I could do this now? Cool. <laughs> what level are you? Fifth. Oh, okay, yeah. We're using Labyrinth Lord with Advanced Edition Companion, so there's some 1E stuff in there and found out I had more spell slots than I thought I had. Better than finding out the alternative. Yeah, it's yeah. 5 four, two. Yeah. We were, we were like talking off air about uh, Matt maybe being too easy of a DM, but I've decided it's probably the way Glenn tells the story wrong because he just shows up one episode and goes, hey, our, our DM Matt gave us 100,000 experience points but didn't explain why. Or that you took them back after the adventure was tested. <laughs> so we're just sitting there going, wow, 100,000 free experience points. Hmm. I, I actually didn't take them back. I let them keep it. And uh, since I got them up to that level uh, for that adventure, it let me kind of bring it into the campaign. They were finally strong enough to fight the, the big bad. So I let them keep it. We ended the campaign, and I made them start new characters. So they were level one again, and it was easier to kill them. There you go. Okay. So did you just start an entirely new campaign, or did the old characters kind of go into NPC statuses? Yeah, no, the old characters are still there. Uh, I haven't used them except for one, uh, one of Brad's first PCs from uh, way back before Glenn was even with us. Um, he has returned as the new big bad in our current campaign. Uh, so I'm, I'm just, <laughs> there you go. I'm going to use Brad's own character to kill him, so it'll be pretty good. Isn't that great? Oh, adding insult to injury. <laughs> He's kind of partially justified, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's like one of those characters, they play their, or one of those PC players play their PCs like, you know, real jerks or doing all these horrible things. And, it's not a jerk. Well, gee, it's not, not quite as cool when it's now the NPC messing with you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Brad's the kind of guy who's like a dog with a bone. Even if it's to our advantage, he will like let it go. So it tends he tends to like some of it comes to him naturally. <laughs> well, as long as he's equal opportunity about it, I suppose. That's true. That's true. We oh come- yeah, I'll kill any of them. I have no problem with it. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Which is okay. Fine. All I- right. I gotta keep that in mind. I forget that every Saturday. I gotta keep that in mind. <laughs> keep one in mind. We can anybody can die at any moment, just like a horse. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to emails, which I think we have a couple. Yeah, just a few. Just a few. Just a few. We're gonna have to do an email show soon because we got a mountain of them in the account. <laughs> Lay it on us, Liz. All right. Well, our first email is from Farm Code Gary. Hi. Woohoo. And Gary writes, Hey, Sodcasters. Just had my first few sessions of basic D&D this Thanksgiving weekend. That should tell you all how Far backlogged behind. we are on emails. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, having spent only a grand total of about an hour and a half playing newer editions in the past. I ran Labyrinth Lord for my brother and a friend, running through a few small dungeons. We all had fun, but both of my players feel the game is way too lethal, 
and that it takes too long to get to second level. We lost 13 level 1 characters in about 11 hours of play. We created 16 in total. The players were each running multiple characters, with the party size usually around 5 to 6 characters at a time. I was pretty generous about letting them hire or recruit or rescue new characters. After a while, I let new characters start out with a minimum of 3 hit points, and gave a saving throw versus death, adding the current hit point to the roll to see if characters were actually dead dead or just severely wounded. Still, Hmm. the body count kept racking up. My question is, is this level of lethality normal? If not, what am I doing wrong? How many hours... (laughs) He's not playing DCC! Let's just make that perfectly clear. (laughs) How many hours of play does it normally take to reach second level? Thanks, Farm Code Gary. P.S. Thanks for addressing my earlier question regarding time tracking. Your answers were very helpful. You're welcome. Well, it's that's a very interesting question because I think at least me, I need a little more information because that sounds a little too lethal to me out of no. you know, 13 out of no. 16. Um, on no. the other hand, I usually expect about 50% at that level. And what were they doing? You know, were they, yeah. were they making, you know, silly choices that maybe they shouldn't have or, you know, what kind of monsters were they being put up against and what were their numbers? Did they so not understand is... the value of running? It yeah, sounds, so... It sounds maybe like it, because I'll tell you, when we very first started playing DCC, um, about half our group came straight from Pathfinder, and those guys died like mayflies, because they were just used to charging into everything. And old school, first level, you don't charge into everything. You can't. You investigate yeah. first. But Matt, Matt doesn't think it's too lethal. I'm kind of siding with that a bit because I'm not used to anything else. (laughs) (laughs) Glenn has been trained well. Well, and if you're rolling hit points at first level, you should not have any expectation of making it to second level. I'm at least nice enough. I give a max hit points at first level. uh, So you can maybe try that the next time you play and see if it helps your players. Yeah, I do that too. Max HP at first level. Also, are they dying... One at a time, or are you doing TPKs or what? Because, like, once again, in Matt's game, you know, the first character is first level max hit points, but if the party's been playing for a while and you get, you get, your character gets killed, you get your second level, second character rather, he's brought in at the, at, was it average party average, level? Average party level, yeah. Average party level, and all that that implies. And about the amount of time it takes to hit second level, I was thinking of Angry Monk's basic D&D campaign we were all in. The start of the campaign, we all had first-level characters, and we, uh, I mean, how many sessions did we play and never quite got to second? Yeah, Yeah, several. And there were a couple of sessions with our first-level characters. For instance, my elf kept either dying or getting close to death. Um, simply because she apparently had a gooier center than the other characters had. But, well, uh, yeah, but we also got an NPC to suck up damage now. So True. Well, and, <laughs> and of course, our games with Angry Monk were only about two hours long. Mm. 
you know, that's part of it too. It's not only a matter of, you know, how long, you know, how many games you're playing, but it's also how long is each game roughly. That's true. That's true. Well, in terms so, of advice, Gary, I just uh, tutor the players on how to go out on an adventure at first level in Labyrinth Lord, which is you pack everything. You've got your 10-foot pole, your flask of oil, your mirror, your garlic, you know, your iron spikes. You take it all with you. That stuff will save your life, 50 feet of rope. And don't just assume that if it's an encounter, <laughs> you automatically have a 50-50 chance of winning it. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you just have to run. Yeah, Sometimes you'll run over them no problem. Other times you'll have to run like scared little girls. Yeah, and if he's playing the monster, the monster or whatever it is, special abilities right, you're very, very smart to either be cautious and or run. Mm. So yeah, especially with strategy for the monsters. Um, that happened to us. Oh. We, we took care of a few zombies, no problem. We're feeling pretty quirky down the second level of that dungeon, and then that spider almost kicked all our asses. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. speak, speaking of which, uh, Matt, tell them about your mummy dwarf. You'll like this. <laughs> mummy dwarf? Dwarf Yeah, I've, I've been wanting to sick a rust monster on them for a while just because they're hilarious. Um, but I didn't want to make it obvious, so they fought a, a that dwarf mummy – and instead of having mummy rot, he would rust their stuff when he hit them. Mm. Nice. Mm. They did not see it coming. <clears throat> yeah, Jimbo, Jimbo's armor just fell off him. All of a sudden, AC9. Ah. <laughs> That's a bad day. And that is both better and worse than regular mummy rot at the same time. Yes. <laughs> I mean, well, okay, you're not going to rot horribly, but at the same time, there goes your crap. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I hope that helped, Gary. Um, if not, you know, write us back. Give us a little more detail. Maybe we can help a little better. <laughs> All righty. Our next email is from Michael Pace. Hi, Mike. And Michael writes, <laughs> After hearing you guys briefly talking about the Gazetteers and the mention of Bruce Hurd, it got me thinking that you should have him, Bruce Hurd, on the show. He is about to run a Kickstarter for his new campaign world, Kaladar. At this point, I imagine the Kickstarter is over. It's because, almost certainly over. Yeah. <laughs> because, again, this is a very old email. <laughs> <laughs> um, Here is a link with more info to the Kickstarter, which is almost certainly over. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, he's say, he goes on to say that his world of Kaladar reminds me very much of Mistara. And he even has a new airship, the Star Phoenix, a la the Prince Ark. Thanks for mentioning Sanctuary and Thieves World. It brought back a lot of memories as I used to play in a D&D Thieves World campaign using the KOCM original box set. Ah. It would be great if you reviewed this supplement also. If you are not familiar with it, it details the city of Sanctuary from the Thieves World books, right. describing notable personalities of the city and provides tons of adventure hooks and a bunch of great maps of the city. A really interesting thing about the stat blocks in the books is that they are done multiple times for a number of game systems that were popular at the time, including, and this is a long list, AD&D, Adventures in Fantasy, Chivalry and Sorcery, Dragon Quest, D&DM, I think he meant D&D, &D, um, The Fantasy Trip, RuneQuest, Traveler, and <laughs> Tunnels and Trolls. 
Yeah, it was the traveler that always kind of floored me. Traveler? (laughs) I really love your podcast. Keep up the good work. Michael. Thanks, Mike. I can totally see Kirk and Spock beaming down into a Thieves' World planet and, you know, finding a computer in charge. And and <laughs> yeah, and taking a, you are not of the body. <laughs> and ta- and taking a page out of full on Gamer's book, you can reskin anything for any. I could see somebody reskinning that in space. Well, some of yep. the weird reskinning, things, yeah, but this is as things, is. Yes, but remember the especially the later Thieves' World books in the series. Weird crap started happening to all those characters. You know, once you get to the later end, the tail end of the series of books, it wouldn't be that big of a jump to have one of them suddenly in outer space. <laughs> Gary Although Gygax I think a better was... co- Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, Gary no, Gygax was a smart man because that uh, in the player's handbook, that chart of all the multiverse and all the planes includes alternate prime material planes where you can put mm-hmm. any game system you want. Boom, mm-hmm. off you go. That's right. And they have. Yeah, although with those later books, Liz, I would think, now you see, they shouldn't, maybe Traveler wasn't the best game to put in there. Call of Cthulhu should have been in there. Yeah, well, (laughs) although it's a Chaosium system, you don't really need to. That's true. It's BRP, so, yeah. The old Thieves World was was from before Call of Cthulhu. Was it? Yeah, we should do a show on that. Uh, Okay. Okay, cool. Any other commentary? Thank you, sir. Yeah, as far as Bruce heard, um, when we get around to the Gazetteers, maybe we can check into that. That would be cool. But Bruce, if you're out there, it'd be nice to show up to (laughs) North Texas RPG Con. And And of course you're listening. Oh, naturally. So anyway, <laughs> I believe the 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 whisper, uh, Mr. Lesser Gnome said we were a a juggernaut in the OSR community. So <laughs> I know I know Tim Cast doesn't listen to this podcast, and I can prove it. You ready? How's that? Okay. Ask me how I'm getting to Gary Con. How are you, are you getting to Gary Con? Oh, I'm driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he may not listen. But I would not be surprised if somebody told him about this. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, sir. Yes, next yeah. email before I get in more trouble. All righty. <laughs> and our final email for the episode is from Chris Modek Halverson, otherwise known as DM Troubadour. Woohoo. And he writes Hey, sod friends, just a quick note hoping you all survived the storm. <laughs> We're here. We just we just got hammered with thirty plus inches of snow in three days up here in um, Duluth. Yarg. Dul- Duluth, Duluth. 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 Yeah, I'm, I'm never sure where the the emphasis is sometimes on the. Yeah, area. they talk funny up in the Great Lakes. Hey, they talk funny in the South too. <laughs> <laughs> you guys talk funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> So, it says, plans for my attempt at a D&D time machine, or something akin to the Cincinnati Retro D&D League, as discussed, as discussed in my first email to you guys, read on air in episode that. 77, <laughs> <laughs> we are rolling along nicely. Good. 
the plan is to begin on January 25th. Um, write us back and let us know if that happened. <laughs> yeah, how's that working out for you? This email's like a time machine. I know. It's e- yeah, our, that's, we should call our next email episode that email time machine. You got it. <laughs> anyway, January 25th, 2014, the generally accepted date, according to your friend John Peterson, that the Little Brown Books debuted as an actual product 40 years ago. Yay. If you will remember, the idea is to run a campaign using only the three original books at first, then adding the supplements and additions from Strategic Review, The Dragon, and other sources in the order they appeared chronologically. Kudos and much thanks to Liz for providing an excellent solution, based on a question posed by Mike, regarding how new classes would be added to the game. In regards to introduce the class, the witch from Dragon Number 5 being the example used, as an NPC first to get it established in the game world, then as new players enter or PCs die, allow the witch class as a possible character option. Isn't it nice of him to remind us of this stuff? It is. (laughs) He's cool. (laughs) Elegant idea. Thanks, Liz. Anyway, still some minor bugs to work out in regard to the timed release of additional materials, but otherwise everything is ready to go. We'll keep you updated, and if any or all of you are interested in joining via Skype, you would be more than welcomed at the table. Let me know. Your podcast keeps me sane. Your friend, Chris DM Troubadour. Thanks, Chris. (laughs) Although the sanity question is... No, 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 no. I feel him because before I I joined the show, I used to listen to the podcast, and you guys have no idea how many of my coworkers' lives you saved with it. (laughs) We're happy to help. We're we're glad to have kept you out of jail. (laughs) Or on America's Serial Killers. That's awesome. He, the, somewhere in the email bag is probably the next email. We should dig for Yeah, it. we should look for that. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, we'll get to it. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Well, although speaking of doing shows chronologically, I want to give a shout out to Dead Game Society's new podcast, which yeah. uh, they're starting on episode two. They covered original D&D. And I'm given to understand that the next couple episodes are going to do classic, then AD&D, then 2E. So, Welcome to the Wild Games Productions family. Family. Yeah, and they just joined WGP. So, Well, speaking of shout-outs. Give them a listen. Speaking of shout-outs, Liz hipped me to this new podcast this week. I think that you hipped her to called Gag Men. And uh, I listened to a couple episodes, and it's awesome. It's it's about old school games in general, obviously with a focus on D and D, but mostly it's just hilariously funny. It's really, really, really funny. And uh, I think the way Liz, you, you and Mike got onto him is they gave us a shout out because they're doing a one of the podcasters is doing a what is it? Oh, a Game of Thrones flavored game called Game of Kobolds, and he and he's talking in the podcast about how. Something you said and something I said gave me the idea. And I'm like, really? What did I yeah, say? Because I don't um, remember what I said. Yeah, because Corbett, um, he wrote into the to our show several episodes ago. And, and 
we read his email on the air, and he was talking about you know wanting to do a campaign based on Game of Thrones because all of his players were just really oh we love Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, and you know so he had written us to asking our opinion. He's like, well, what should I do? You know, my gaming style is more along the lines of. Game of Muppets, you know, they want Game of Thrones, help me. (laughs) And an image of Fozzie Bear on the throne comes up. I I would be totally down with a Game of Muppets game. (laughs) Actually, yeah, but the way he did it was pretty cool. He took Keep on the Borderlands and basically turned the Caves of Chaos into a Game of Thrones um, scenario with interactions between the various tribes and treachery and... That I don't know like if you worked whole, in. That's a whole case of awesome sauce right there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I believe it's episode <laughs> seven of their podcast okay. called Game of Cobalts, and okay. they do a, a great shout out to Save or Die, mention several of us by name throughout the podcast. And it's a really cool campaign idea, which they <sighs> go into detail with if anybody wants to, you know, do it themselves. I, uh, despite the kind of tongue in cheek title and way we're talking about it the way he described it you could play it totally straight if you wanted to i want to go into the caves of muppets oh, of course you do <laughs> but i think my favorite part was when he first started talking about it he was saying he was listening to save or die and when he had sent in the email about it and that jim had told him to he should just do it and then on the show it said well i heard and then you hear this big do- deep demon voice going I am the demon spawn. You will do as I command. And that's what I heard from Jim. I can't help being old and learning to play the game when there wasn't anything. There weren't any campaign settings. We had to make everything I told up. You, I told you cigarettes will turn you evil. <laughs> I don't oh, is that what does it? I think so. I smoke fine cigars. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, then you're lower planes of hell, pal. <laughs> We don't smoke at all. What's our excuse? You smoke, Matt? No. <clears throat> no. Oh, Come on. My mic. Nope, not anymore. I have an e-cig, though. Yeah. So well, it's electronic evil. Yes. Yeah, no, digital well, it's, evil. Well, it's, it's not tobacco. He doesn't smoke tobacco, anyway. Modern-day evil. <laughs> so, say, marijuana would be okay. No, that stuff's illegal. Ah, well. Uh, you're Unless right. you go to Colorado. But wouldn't oh, that make, yeah, it, sure. make you evil, then? Oh, yeah, I guess so. But if you always want to find beer, come over to Matt's house. It's true. He gets some of the Wow, Glenn, you're very free with Matt's beer. (laughs) Everyone, come to Matt's house for beer. I'll tell tell you, not me, but like half the game is like, oh, I just got this new stout here. Okay, fine. I'm waiting for Matt to work it into the game. I just had the best idea. Did you see that story about the uh, Girl Scout who set up her cookie stand right in front of the medical marijuana place in Colorado? That's that's how you introduce people to basic D&D. You set the game up on a table right outside one of those stores. With cookies and and Coke and potato chips. This is what gamers do for everyone. That's right. This is what gamers do. They got the munchies. Okay, sit down and imagine this monster I'm going to describe to you. Whoa. Dude, you're freaking me out. Oh, the Save no, Man that podcast was the... does not endorse the use of <laughs> illegal drugs. I swing substances. my sword, man. That's right. <laughs> okay, this is getting away from us here. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> if you have emails, folks, send us to send it to saberdiepodcast at gmail dot com. That's or right. If, or if you want to send a voicemail that we will actually play on the show, it, you can send it to nine zero three, or you can dial to nine zero three five thirty six thirty seven sixty three. And I guess barring that, we'll unless anyone had any final things, we'll. <laughs> Go to cut to some very important announcements, which are vital to solving the chaos in Ukraine. And now we're going to move into our segment of basic impressions. After these words from our sponsor. Or someone anyway. Yeah. So you guys are in the Misty Mug. What are you doing? I am buying a Bloody Mermaid. A blind, as always. Sunshine comes out from the back. She actually needs some help with the problem. What problem? There's rats in the cellar. Oh, God. Giant rats, I presume. I don't know. Do you want to go check it out? So you guys make your way down into the cellar. Sure enough, amongst the crates and barrels, there are nine giant rats. Remember the last time we fought giant rats? They nearly killed us. In the nest of the giant rats is 2,000 copper pieces. Huh. 20 gold. One's copper. It's 2,000. <laughs> we came here to help Sunshine with their problem. You have to fight the giant rats. Initiative. Yeah. Check out the Delvers podcast at burnedfx.com. Wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. But which I would be willing to share with you. To do then now would be retro. To do then then yeah. was very natural. Yeah, if you will. It's coming. What? The idea, the spark. I got it, I got it. Basic impressions. Hello, this is DM Kojo, and this is my basic impression of my son Chase's very first Dungeons & Dragons experience. My son Chase just turned eight in October, and he's been begging me to play Dungeons & Dragons ever since he saw me get back into it two years ago. I always told him that I wanted him to be eight before we did this. So uh, after his 8th birthday, sure enough, he came right to me and wanted to play Dungeons & Dragons. So this past weekend, we finally had a chance to do that. I broke him into the game using the Frank Menser Basic Red Box. And using those rules, he created a character named Dim, the magic user. He made a second character named Zap, the fighter. So Dim and Zap set off to adventure in the... uh, basic adventure Frank Menzer wrote in the Dungeon Master's book of the basic set where they have to go and explore a castle that's been long abandoned. Right off the bat they run into a carrion crawler and Chase's first reaction was to say that's not fair it gets eight attacks and I only get one. But he defeated the carrion crawler, entered the castle through the side hole in the wall, fought off four kobolds, elected to charge the kobolds as opposed to using missile fire, defeated the kobolds and entered the inner building. Once in there, he continued exploring and came across a room with four zombies. Unfortunately, Dim, the magic user, was uh, reduced to zero hit points during this combat, and Chase wisely elected to have Zap, the fighter, take Dim out of the room and flee the castle back to town where Dim could be healed. So Chase made a very wise decision and 
decided that he needed two more characters to be able to fight these zombies. So he created two more characters, a cleric and an elf. And then we set back out for the castle. He returned to the room and uh, brought vengeance upon the zombies and successfully was able to continue the adventure. Um, during the course of the adventure and all the encounters he came into, I was very impressed with his ability to manage four characters at once, something some of my adult players can't even do very well. I also was impressed with the fact that he's a very imaginative boy and I could see him closing his eyes when he was trying to imagine what his characters look like or what monsters look like or when I would read him descriptions of the rooms. He's really putting a lot of thought and imagination into it. He also had some very creative solutions to problems, which I was impressed with his problem solving. He's always been very good at this, ahead of his age in some regards. Um, so he did a very good job with that as well. We had to end shortly after he defeated two harpies that were in one of the rooms. And that was a good point to stop for bedtime. He was very excited that we got to play. I was very excited that we got to share that experience. As I said, I was very impressed that an eight-year-old was able to manage four characters as well as he did. was very organized, quickly picked up the which dice do what and the order that combat resolves in and things of that nature. So he's very excited. He wanted to play again today, but sadly, Dad had to cut the grass today. So, but we'll play again, and he's very excited, and I couldn't be more thrilled that I'm finally able to share this experience with one of my children. Again, this is DM Kojo. Thank you for your time. The Save or Die Top 5 In 5, 4, 3, 2, Our top five, once again. This time we're covering the module Minds of Valdhum, written by DM Matt. Yay. Matt, Yay. Evans. Matt Evans, if you're looking for him on DriveThruRPG. Yes. Or Odinist, if you're looking for him on Dragon's Foot. Or, or anything pro- else. Yeah. Where this fine product yep. is available for the low, low price of $6.66. Ooh. It's so cheap, it's evil. Yeah. <laughs> this last game I got tired of hearing the number of the beast uh, <laughs> so tell me Matt how did this come about uh, it, it was all Brad's fault um, oh, okay. Brad's character the, the guys had been zapped away from Mythgarther and after a long uh, trek finally made it their way home and they were going across parts of the island they were unfamiliar with and uh, Brad uh, did something unspeakable with the corpse of a bugbear oh, and yeah. uh, lost his powers. His god got very angry with him and, and uh, took his powers away from his cleric. So he was doing a ritual to talk to his god and find out what he could do to get back in his good favor. And I gave him the clue uh, looking on the world map where they were at. They were next to a really big forest. So I told him that he had to help the green men fight the green beasts and uh, real quick got the idea in my head of sending them up against a green dragon. And uh, since we have two weeks in between sessions, by the next time we played, I had enough time to write the 
beginning parts of it, and it just kind of went from there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, this was the unnamed Green Dragon, right? Yes. Yeah, this one wasn't bad enough to have a name. Okay. Gotcha. Aw. Poor guy. Well, I'll tell you, the next one, the He's Red Dragon. on it. The Red Dragon he pulled up next time, they, everybody said Scorch, and we all looked at each other. We're in trouble. It's named. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Well, let's start hitting our numbers. And Matt, feel free to put in your top five. Although you have the advantage of adding in your top fives that you may or may not have experienced while writing the module as well. Sure. And we'll start with DM. Yep, I'm doing it again. That's <laughs> okay, man. Yeah. I can't help it. Jim. We love you exactly Jim. the way you are. Jim. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine, Jim. Okay. To you. I, nah. I'm never straight on whether we're doing it in ascending or descending order, so I'm going to take my very favorite five. thing. Oh, you just wrecked me. Yeah, start five, go down to one. Oh, because then somebody's going to steal my top one before we get to it. Um, All right. The, 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 it's a more of a general thing, but I love the way this is just written so that it captures the old school feel because I go back to the monochrome modules and this reads and is set up just like one of those, except it's much better than those were back in the day because of the depth of the material. So it's got the old school feel of just good, basic dungeon crawl adventures. And, mm-hmm. but with modern typesetting, stat blocks, and all that stuff. It's very easy to read, especially with my eyesight. So that's it. Perfectly captured old school feel with modern typesetting and stat blocks. Thank you. On a side note, Liz will be sitting out the module review because we agreed I would do the module review. She would do the Fat Dragon Games review. So that's fair. So you're going to do it for both of you. What? You're going to do it for both of you. We are a gestalt entity in this instance. Yes. And Mike will be handling the module, and since he can't really see the Fat Dragon miniature gotcha. pieces, gotcha. You know, I really can't comment on those. So if, you act as an autonomous collective, and there's a person of the week that, okay. If sure. I had a wife that cooked like Liz, I'd do it any way she wanted me to, too. Yep. <laughs> so All right, leave it alone. Leave it alone, Claire. I'm talking to myself. Leave it alone. Number five, Matt. <laughs> Uh, it's all awesome. So, uh, <laughs> should he be doing his own top five? The humility, yeah. the, the humility with which this was written really yeah. impressed me. <laughs> I, my, my fifth favorite thing about the module, I'd, I'd put it at last just because it was an afterthought to add it in there, is in the side quest, the shrine of Thodolf Snowden. Um, there's a room with the uh, uh, invisible walkway that leads across a big pit. And uh, whenever I first ran that dungeon for my players, uh, there's a caryatid golem uh, previous in the dungeon. And I figured they would have taken the dust after it uh, is destroyed and sprinkled it across the walkway like Indiana Jones. But they didn't do that. Uh, but one of the players, after they tried all sorts of stuff, trying to figure out how to get across the room, he just got really fed up and said, I'm just going to pee into the pit. And so I told, them, <laughs> I told them that it started, you know, puddling in thin air right in front of him. And they took the cue and the party took turns peeing their way across the walkway <laughs> the other side. That was before Glenn joined us, so he didn't yes. get to experience wow. that. I think I may have missed that session. <laughs> 
the number one solution <laughs> in now I, follow the yellow brick road. Now I know why I missed I don't recognize the side quest. <laughs> follow the yellow brick road. That was good. Uh okay, Glenn. Uh number five. Um I love the feel. I, I also love the fact that you give me um, monster stats as they appear. I know I've seen some works where it's like, oh, see the monsters in the back. Well, that's fine and dandy until you're like in the heat of play. Mm-hmm. Huh. You know, you may have it written down here, but if you forget one, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, okay. But it's right there. You know, uh, huge wood spiders, four. Boom. There they are. They, they appeared, and they're at the bottom. I like that. It's interesting okay. to say that because, like, the dragon stats are in the first room he could be caught in, but there's a bunch of rooms after that where you may actually be the place where you find him, but you get the dragon stats up front. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> I'm just agreeing with you. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. All right, my number five. Right, Gestalt. I'd like. Uh, I like how the PCs, in some ways, you might consider it a railroad, but I don't. I see how it's just set up to where the PCs are strongly encouraged not to camp. But if they're do what PCs usually do and, and decide, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, I don't care what anybody says, you've got plenty of ways to punish them for that. And we did. So it's not, you know, if you really want to camp, sure. But when they find the bodies later. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, we left, our, right. we left a trail. <laughs> Number four, DM Jim. Well, you almost kind of stole mine. I really, I'm going to say werebears just because I'm dyslexic. What are they really called? The Bjorn Bears? Bjorn Bears. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hey, I pulled it off. I, I just like that whole setup where it's one of those uh, things where the, the players, like Mike said, if they pay attention and follow directions, and even there's another uh, path where they could help those guys out and, and make allies with them, there are all these good things that can happen. But most parties and most player characters, which let's face it, are all chaotic neutral. They're going to go in there and <laughs> screw with the werebears and get the big paw. Nice writing. Yep. Thank you. Matt, you're number four. Uh, I think the troglodyte fight going up the ramp. Oh, yeah. Oh, the marble ramp? Yeah, yes. The marble stairs? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. The marble stairs were on the level four. This would have been uh, in the caves with the troglodytes. Throwing and rocks there's, and uh, stuff. There's a, a ledge that goes around one side of this big... Oh, ledge. yeah. Okay. As they, as they go up, there's uh, uh, three points where trogs break out of the wall, and the whole time they're being pelted with uh, rocks and from the, the ones on the ledge. So yeah. That, that was a very fun fight when it played out. It was. Yeah, when I mentioned earlier about monsters using strategy, that's a perfect example. Did we did we lose anybody off that ledge? No, you guys actually did a really good job with that fight. Oh, thank you. Okay, Glenn? I like the, you know, I, I don't know if this is indicative of the module or just of, of Matt's campaign. I do like the old Norse feel of it, the Germanic Norse 
feel of the whole thing because Matt proved to me that yes, you can have a Germanic North camp or Norse campaign and still have pronounceable names. So, okay. so it's just, you know, the pikes and the werebears and the, I mean, he throws their usual like stuff like troglodytes and stuff there, but it's just, you know, the temple of Loki classic, really good stuff. And just the names like the Nordvald and things like that. That's I just it has really good old old not just old school but like old Norse feel to it. That's what I was going for. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it had some good stuff there. Um, although I did notice that he played a little bit with the relationship between Loki and Odin to keep people on their toes. How so? Um, I remember at one point you were dealing. Uh, there's a description of Loki and Odin becoming blood brothers. Yes, that's actually in the Eddas. Okay, but I thought Loki was the son of Odin. No, no, they were blood brothers. And the giantess. Uh, uh, no, uh, uh, Loki was uh, an adoptive, uh, or sorry, adoptive son. Uh, no, but the, I, I'm almost positive in the Eddas, whenever uh, Loki was first brought in uh, to be with the gods, him and Odin had become blood brothers. Uh uh, I don't know. There's a lot no, of you're, weird you're exactly, relationships in the Norse, you know, that is so. Matt, you're exactly yeah, right. Yeah, well, most mythologies aren't big on consistency. So, yeah, good point. Sure. Mike? Anything else, Glenn? No, no, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Mike? My, my four is I like the side quest, but not only the uh, dwarven mine, but then the eventual, it's, technically a layer of the mines, but the side adventure into the hunting hall uh. um, or I thought was kind of, a, you know, the hunting lodge for the dwarves was kind of cool. It kept things interesting from being just, mm. you know, a ubiquitous dungeon crawl, sure. but still kept the feel of a dungeon crawl. So it's almost like the old uh, Gygax and uh, Kuntz, each level of Greyhawk having a different theme. It's it's like that except it's it's really well integrated, as a, conceptually. Yeah, it's it's not it, it makes sense rather than let's face it a lot of the Greyhawk stuff which really didn't. Well, I'm not banging on Greyhawk, but I mean, there's not like suddenly an Alice in Wonderland level. I mean, this, right, this, right. This mountain is tight. Or the living room, where all the furniture is alive and does stuff. Nothing wrong with that. Um. It's just a personally, for my personal taste, I prefer a little more consistency to the levels, making at least having a rationale for their theme. Right. All right, number three. Jim? I'm going to focus on a single encounter. I don't know why this encounter spoke to me, but I love the pool that has a both a giant catfish and a helm of alignment changing. It's like, okay, giant catfish, and you have to get in there, dive for stuff before you find the catfish, then he finds you and you beat him to death and you get some pretty good treasure and then you go, oh, a magic item! Doink! <laughs> and then you find some halfling bones down there. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's from growing up in Kentucky, but giant catfish just had old school written all over it to me. You mean, you mean, you mean we can't get like a giant in there and go noodling? <laughs> No. And if I remember correctly, I think I killed Brad with that catfish. That was his. That was his third character. I third think. character in the yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
If you had a halfling or gnome in the party, you know that the one way of fishing for catfish is to ram your arm up under there and let them swallow it. So you could just exactly. take, take a halfling and dunk him in and get him That's that way. That's noodling. Yeah. Hey, Liz. Mm. Like that meeting we were at today, this guy was talking about when he was a little kid, his grandfather hunted crocodiles and would have him, when he was eight, go and swim around in the water a while and then say, hey, come here a little minute, and then pick him up and go, no, nah, you got to stay in the boat. The gators are out. <laughs> It's like you're using your son as bait. Wow, that's the alligator. Bait. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> Matt, you're number three. I think the uh, the fake treasure trap. Yeah, baby. Mm. <laughs> the uh, the the insta kill fake treasure uh, up on lo- the last level that's there with the dragon, uh, the massive pile of iron coins. It's all painted. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it makes sense for a smart monster. Yes. And believe me, he plays them smart. They just get really bad rolls. There is almost <laughs> no behavior you can't bait players into with large piles of gold. I swear to God. That's, that's truth. That is damn truth right there. It warms the DM's heart to have a gang of drunken homicidal kleptomaniacs with a treasure map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Glenn. Oh, my number three, Roper, Killer Tree. That's like one of the first encounters you have even before you get to the mines. On traveling on the mines, and to me, it was like a, it was like a signpost. It was like a warning sign saying, "There's more of this coming." Yeah, you know, when I read that about the killer tree, my only thought was, you know, oh, well, that's kind of different. You know, everybody expects living trees to be, you know, treants and thus good guys. It never occurred to me to make the roper connection. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Believe okay. Me, we almost lost a couple in that one. I think one of them actually ended up in his mouth. Yes, yes. But you guys never thought to dig underneath them and look for treasure, so you missed out on a lot of loot. Obviously. See, this is what I'm loving about the module, Matt, because, I mean, if your entire uh, knowledge of mythology comes from Marvel Comics and uh, <laughs> Peter Jackson movies, you're in for trouble in this thing. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on your toes. Which, on a side note, I'd just like to tell our listeners that just for me, Angry Monk, in our last game, uh, put emeralds in the gizzard of our monster that we killed. Aww. Because I kept mentioning, check the spleen for emeralds. <laughs> anyway, well, my number three is a criticism. Oh, no. And it's probably, yeah, yeah, it's probably just me. Um, but I miss that there's no rumor table. I know it's an old school thing that isn't terribly necessary, but I mean, you certainly give the rumors. Sure. Um, but they all are pretty much consistent with each other. And to me, part of the fun of rumors is giving PCs rumors that are patently false. So that would have been fun. Fair enough. But, of course, any DM can come up with that if they really need to. See. But I was just thinking with the, with the Bjorns running around all over the place and everything, it's like, ooh, you could really set some stuff up here. Or the killer tree. You know, there's a tree out there. If you rub the branches, it will give you a secret about the mines. <laughs> <laughs> it'll or give there. you a cookie. 
That's really mean. <laughs> Mike, Mike, I love how save or die podcast that criticism was. Yes, your, your killer dungeon is great, but it could have been just a little more lethal. A little more lethal. Briark. Yeah. <laughs> Tell the okay. players they'll get a pie if they go with this. What's It's a pie. Yeah. What, what's that? What's that? The tube of horrors picture with the demon head and it says free ice cream in his mouth. Free ice cream in the spirit of annihilation, yeah. <laughs> free rumors. That was just that bit of extra to ensure character death. Yes. Anyway, all right, number two, Jim. You almost stole this and maybe you did, but I'm going to say it anyway because I loved it so much. It was just the whole, uh, I mean, the adventure... Mm-hmm. That mountain's broken up into compartments and levels and, you know, it's many, many adventures worth of dungeon i was completely in love with the whole desecrated temple of loki part of it including the the giant statue with the key on the end of the spear that you have to have and you might not even notice i just the the idea loki doesn't get enough you know airtime in D. the real loki not, but he will now not, not tom middleton nothing wrong with tom middleton <laughs> i love him but you know the real loki yeah move, yeah and I mean, okay. what would it, you know, if you're if you're just you know some goon and you're writing this, you're like, oh, I'll put a temple of Loki in there. But there's a whole backstory, and it's an old temple of Loki that they already stomped dead once. So now you're in like the tomb of the desecrated temple of Loki. That's just cool. Making sure there's stuff they didn't miss. Speaking of another side quest, which is also given. Yeah. Okay, Matt. Uh, number two, I would have to say. Probably the dragon fight itself. Um, there's so much strategy that uh, the dragon can use depending on where he's encountered and whether or not the PC set off the, the bone traps that would have alerted him. And He has room to fly if he needs to and wants to drop a PC thousands of feet to his death. And I think it's, it's just a really fun strategic fight. Yeah, I remember reading that about the the uh, alarms and I, I could just hear P players going... Oh man, we're supposed to sneak up on the sleeping dragon. That's how it always works. Oh, <laughs> this intelligent monster didn't think to put an alarm. Come on, right? But 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 you know, basic D and D dragons need every edge they can get, so they're not just yes. XP bags. That's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, and boy, did we exploit that. <laughs> <laughs> We had to. We had to actually be intelligent in that fight, and it paid off. No, yeah, because you guys encountered him two different times. Uh, That's right. But the you know with the the three invisible mages with the fireballs and the yes, you know, <laughs> well, that That's the way to succeed in any in most combat. You have That's, to be smart. You know. That's that's not going to really kill him, but it's sure going to reduce his breath weapon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, so that's that's my first inkling of, oh wow, I can really actually play tactically. I didn't know how to do that before. <laughs> God, if he killed you guys, Glenn, all and TPKJ, he might have gotten a name. He might have. Well, he was just one party shy. Yeah. <laughs> that much. Well, all right, Glenn. Um, yeah. Okay, the Dwarven Hunting Lodge. If you've had truck with the bears at the beginning <laughs> this would probably make you like on 
eggshells, seeing these stuffed bears and stuff around here, of which I lovingly illustrated, by the way. Um, <laughs> and that little that little dwarven statue chess game you have to do, <laughs> moving the statues around. That was on the Temple of Loki. That was not the dwarves. Oh, that's lodge. okay. I thought it was in the hunting lodge. I thought the dwarves were trying to protect themselves. Okay, but anyway, I do love the 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 taxidermy bears and stuff and uh it was a lot of fun were you guys mm. smart enough to bust them open and find the stuff inside they were sweet mm-hmm. cool okay my second uh i hope angry monk is paying attention to this podcast i hope <laughs> yeah, not yeah need more taxidermy <laughs> yo, um, hey yo yama how about a little treasure for the effort <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I'd say what I liked, my, my number two choice was the fact that not only are there lots of traps there, they're described. All too many dungeons or adventures have a trap say, the door is trapped, and if the thief doesn't find it, you take D10 damage. It's like, no, these traps are actually described. So if the player playing the thief says, well, I look here at the door jam, for example, or I look specifically at the knob or something. As a DM, you can give them a bonus because, well, they're actually trying to pay attention to the area, not just give me my roll. Oh, Matt so, loves his traps. Yes, so I do. Those were really cool. I was actually thinking of you, Mike, as I was reading those descriptions because I know that's your thing. Yeah, yeah, because... It's pretty cool because, well, and since Liz isn't part of this particular conversation, but again, a the mandatory Holmes reference. <laughs> um, the thief skill there is remove traps, not find traps. Because anybody in Holmes has a chance to find traps, and they expect you to do the descriptive verbiage of you know, what do you search specifically. So I think that's pretty cool. Here, here. Now, your number one, Jim. I don't know if you've considered this, Matt, and I am unaware of what the resolution was when you played this with Glenn and his group, but this uh, entire adventure is one of those dungeons that once it's cleaned out, the players can set up a headquarters here, starting uh, mm-hmm. probably in the Dwarven Large, but with all the rest of it, which is what we all did in the old days. We And, and you know to some, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say it, to some consternation of the DM who started figuring out ways to make the dungeon so we couldn't take it over and make a headquarters out of it. But it's perfect for that if uh, if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. That was pretty um, much half of B1, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, did, these, did your guys try and camp out there, give any thought to that, or were they just on to bigger and better things? No, they didn't, because at that point in the campaign, they were mostly concerned with getting home. They, uh, they had no idea where they were at and, uh, were at this, this point they were just starting to get their first clues as to how to make their way back home. Uh, so this was just kind of a, a bump in the road for them. And, uh, I think if they hadn't had that, uh, uh, you know, pressing matter of finding their way back, they, they would have, I'm sure thought to take it over because it wouldn't be the first time, uh, they've already the first group of uh, guys 
when I started my campaign a few years back, they actually took over a keep that I didn't plan on them taking over. And it actually has become part of the published world of MythGarther. So this time they didn't, but it, but uh, it would be a perfect place for people who wanted to. Sweet. Oh yeah. Cool. All right. What's uh, what was your favorite thing, Matt? Uh, level two, the temple of Loki, the one with all the, the traps and tricks. Uh, and we uh, we have a whole lot of hack and slash uh, gaming with our group, and this was a really fun level because there's almost no combat, and uh, I really stumped them. The they got uh, they they were stuck on that chess room for at least an hour. Nice. Uh, so that was really awesome. <laughs> Sounds like our games with Chase. Yeah. Here's a here's a puzzle. It's like, oh God, we're gonna be here all day. <laughs> well, there's there's usually a deal on a level like that where there's multiple puzzles and you'll sail through three or four real quick, and then there's one you can't crack, no matter what you think of. It's not oh yeah, right. not our group. We'll be stuck at the first the knock knock <laughs> joke at the first. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be an can hour we just in. Something? Yeah, it'll be an hour in and Chase will just be looking at us like we're dribbling on our own shirts. It's like, oh, this one isn't hard. It yeah. isn't hard. And we're all going, Yes, yes it is. You know? Answer this riddle. What does the undead pirate say when you stake him? Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yep, yep. Okay. Oh, and speaking of which, I had a backup in case somebody stole one of my ideas. I love the undead dwarves. I mean, ah. that's so much better than just plain old zombies. Zombies? Yeah, I've seen zombies. Nope. Undead dwarves. Yes. <laughs> yep. Reminds me of Chase's game where he was talking about playing a Spelljammer game where he had a white get loose on a asteroid full of gnomes. <laughs> so you land there later and you've got this asteroid with like Hundreds and hundreds of gnome whites. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome! <laughs> ah, this little horde of short people running toward you. That's when you're a magic user and you're glad you also have a Mark 7 blaster rifle on your back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Here go, Matt. I already gave one. Oh, for your number one? Okay, yeah. then. Sorry, Glenn. Well, I was going to say my number one was my number one favorite thing was there was no yellow mold in it. Um, huh? Plus, that, yeah, that's one of my two f- ties for favorite. Where? I don't remember yellow mold in this. In the top at the when the first thing the kitchen area. Yep. There was the there's the room in level one where oh. if you. Uh, Disturb the bats. They'll fly around the room and they'll knock over something with mold in it. Oh. Cauldron. Yeah. Matt, you bastard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to say, I like the way you did the maps. They're really, really pretty and they're clear. Thank you. Um, especially the way you laid out the, like, the chess thing. Uh, on uh, yeah, that was vintage old school right there. Yeah, on the Temple of Loki, the whole chessboard. Yeah. That was way cool. Um, you just you you surprised me in cartography. I shouldn't by now, but well, <laughs> electronic cartography. But anyway, bravo. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> 
Mike? All right. Well, my number one, like I said, was split between the Cauldron of Yellow Mold. <laughs> yellow Mold now is you mention it. always cool. Mm. Yeah. From, a, from a DM perspective. From a DM perspective. Yeah. Okay. But the other is the is the not constant exactly, but it was a recurring use of save or die poisons for the monsters. <laughs> it's Which, not old school D and D if I don't use save or die poisons. That's right, save or die. And a standard operating procedure now in mass campaigns is use save versus death, or you die. Period. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why they call it save versus death. <laughs> no, but I mean, he lets you have one save, and I think he's being generous. Uh, yeah, well, those players, you know, you don't give them their saving throws. They get grousy. So, yeah. They're like cockroaches, yeah. Hey, Glenn, uh, if you can't run with the kobolds, stay on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, now, that, since we're still on the subject of top five, we shall segue to top five, too. This time for the Fat Dragon Games props, Hall of the Mountain King. Uh, that was, uh, I think, Dungeon of the Mountain King. Dungeon of the Mountain King? No, Tomb of the oh. Mountain King. I'm sorry. Tomb of the Mountain We were <laughs> both wrong. There, there is a Mountain King involved. Actually, yes. in, the, in the show notes, you have Tomb, but the website says Halls of the Mountain King. Well, there's different... They have different sets as part of that. Kings. And that's what we got sent. <laughs> Tomb of the Mountain King. Okay, I said corrected. Then, okay, then we're both right. Fine. Uh, we can all be right. And I am turning it over to Liz. Oh, man, I got to do the round robin thing? A new gestalt. Yep. Okay. So, top five for Tomb of the Mountain King, or Halls of the Mountain King, or whatever you want to call it, but there is a Mountain King. <laughs> fill in the blank of the Mountain King. Yes. Now, Fat Dragon Games, as many of you should already know, has been, over the years, creating a wide array <clears throat> of products um, to a use... A plethora. <laughs> Little Trekkies joke there. Um, anyway, yes. Wide range of products for all different kinds of scenarios, use for miniatures. Um, you've got cities. You've got wilderness terrains. You've got everything in between. Basically, if you need something, chances are very good that Fat Dragon Games has put out you know, something that you can create the paper miniatures, you know, the terrain sets for. Um, so this one here that Matt used in running Glenn and his group through the module that we were talking about earlier <laughs> was the tomb slash hall slash whatever of the Mountain King. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to try and channel Mike here. So, channeling Mike, what oh. was your number five, DM Glenn? Oh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pulling from my anal vortex on this one, folks. Okay. So, <laughs> my my number five is the presentation. I think it's very slick, very beautiful, and it even comes. They all come with uh, not only instructions on how to build whatever set you got but also beginner's guide to card modeling 
which gives yeah. you an overview and kind of this is how you do it. These are the procedures type of thing. And I like that. Very thorough. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you, Jim? What was your number five? I don't have five things on these things. Um, it's just time for me to be a pain in the ass. I, when I was a young player, you know, my teens and 20s, I would have jumped on stuff like this with both boots and been printing them out and folding them up and stuff like that. But I just don't use terrain or miniatures uh, at this point in my gaming career. So, I, I mean, recognizing, Taco. Yes, recognizing <laughs> that other people do, um, the, I mean, they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. You should definitely, if you have any interest in the terrain, you should, uh, on the table with 25 or 28 millimeter miniatures, you should go do it. Um, especially because I have one thing. They come with customizable PDF layers. So it's not just gorgeous art, but it's gorgeous art that you can get in and customize for your particular campaign. Yeah, well, my number five was, as Glenn mentioned earlier, you know, there's some, the, the art is, is gorgeous. Um, it's very high quality um, textures and things on there. Um, you know, this is not cartoony looking stuff that you're putting together. It's just absolutely beautiful work. Um, I, I'm just I'm in awe every time I look at I look at the at the quality of you know the the art and you know as everyone said it's just it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I don't generally use, you know, like Jim has said. I don't generally use a lot of terrain and stuff like that with miniatures with my games. Um, normally, I just when there's a big fight with monsters and there's a group, that's usually the only time I even have minis go out on the table just to keep track of where people are. But the fat dragon stuff is so gorgeous. I am sorely tempted to start incorporating it because it's just amazing. Okay, so we're going into number four, and I'm going to try and remember what order I had people going in before. I think I had you go first, Glenn. Uh, yeah, I think you did. Okay. Um, number four, I, I'm going to go the layering, yes, I like, but what I like is it's so it fits into your stuff. I mean, we were playing last yesterday, and I was looking at the table because because Matt he loves terrain he loves stuff he makes stuff all the time for stuff and he's got some cool layouts for dungeon uh, halls and rooms and things like that he uses over and over out of out of stuff but and then he had like the the furnace from the set in one room and I was looking and I go wow that really fits I mean it's not like we said not cartoon stuff I mean it really fits with what he did. It's very adaptable. That's what I like about it. Okay, so what about you, Jim? <laughs> I mean, I've I've kind of already um, said everything I can say about this. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm going to make you talk anyway. Okay. Well, I can always <laughs> I can always do that. Um, I mean, just trying to recognize that just my personal taste at this point in my gaming career is not everybody else's. Wouldn't it be cool? Remember when Bad Mike ran uh, B1 at North Texas with the right. life-size pencil graph map? Wouldn't it be cool? Oh, yeah, cool? the huge table map. Yeah, scaled to the miniatures. Wouldn't that be badass to do with this system? Can you imagine? That that would be pretty damn cool looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Bad Mike, if you're listening to this, 
Start work now. I think you'll be able to finish it up in time for the convention. <laughs> I'll buy no them pressure. Somebody, I'll buy them if somebody else puts them together. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just the whole B1 set laid out on that huge table using the Fat Dragon miniatures mm-hmm. terrain sets. That that would be awesome looking. <laughs> Perhaps even a North Texas specific product. Ooh. Hear that Ooh. fat dragon, guys? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Mike did that, that life-size graph map. Some, one of the players Yeah, one did. of the players so had... Whoever, um... whoever you were, get on it. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks, just get on it, yeah. Because remember, when Jim says that, you should hear, I am the demon stone, you will do as I command. <laughs> that was because an effect has... on the other podcast, and you do it perfect just with your voice. <laughs> what about you? Jim has powers. <laughs> what about you, Matt? What was your number four? My number four is uh, kind of a criticism. Uh, there's not a whole lot you can really say bad about the Fat Dragon game stuff, but once again, I've I've bought uh, quite a bit of their stuff before and really like it, and I've used the hell out of it in our games. Uh, but uh, the one thing that I think people should be aware of if they've never bought their stuff before, if you have an inkjet printer, get ready to spend a lot of money on ink cartridges because you will go through a lot of them printing this stuff out, especially if you're going to print out... Uh, if you're Like, for me, I'll get their sets and just get certain set pieces because right. I have my own terrain that I already use. But if you're actually building this... Uh, with their full-scale, uh, you know, interlocking pieces and whatnot, you're going to print a whole lot of stuff, and you're going to go through a whole bunch of ink. Uh, so that's that's kind of a downside to their stuff, even though it's neat that you can print as much of whatever you want. If you have an inkjet printer, it's going to hit your wallet pretty hard. Well, I tell you, Matt, you know, they know me by first name down at Office Depot now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And granted, um, yeah, you can always go get it done somewhere like that. It's going to be cheap. Yeah. I was cheaper. going to say, you know, in your opinion, then, would it be more cost effective to go to a place like Office Depot, Staples, Kinko's, whatever, and have Absolutely. them do it? Yeah. Absolutely. Unless you have a color laser printer where you're getting, you know, way more page per cartridge uh, count than you are out of the inkjet. Um, yeah, if, if you're trying to do this on an inkjet, but you want to do a lot of stuff, it's probably going to be cheaper just to pay somewhere else to do it for you. Yeah, you'll go through a lot of ink. Um Boy, and I know because I've, I've killed cartridges on their stuff before. So, and they and you should print it on cardstock, which drives the yes. price a yeah. bit more. You can't do this on plain paper; it just doesn't hold the shape yeah. right. Plain, plain, yeah. They say, "Oh, plain paper, I'll just glue it down." No, 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 no. Do it on cardstock. Gluing it down, you just make a mess and stuff. And you know, anyway. Well, my number four is the introduction to card building or card model building or card modeling there yes it's a pdf um i believe it is a free download on their site um that basically just runs you through how to do it if you've never done anything like this before and it's got you know just tons of you know color photographs close-ups of the different steps on making a wall, making a door, making a a column, you know, all these different things. And, you know, you get to see it being done. It shows you, you know, what you should be doing. It 
you know, gives you, you know, helpful tips on doing it better and not messing up. <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's like for hard to reach places, try to use a ruler or something for pressure, stuff like that. And also, you know, and this is something that I personally probably would not have thought of, but it seems to be a no-brainer once I read it, using some foam board for some of your bases to give them a little more oomph. Um, You're talking about the foam board master over here with Matt. Yeah, you know, the, the foam core, you know, you know, mount your model's bases on foam core. It's like, well, yeah, wow, you know, but I wouldn't have thought of that if I was just doing it on my own. But, you know, when I read it, it's like, well, yeah, that only makes sense. You know, <laughs> although he, it does say that it's optional. You don't have to, but I do believe that it would make a world of difference in how your 3D stuff, you know, wound up sitting. Well, if you do it for bases, could you use it for the, you think you could use it for the terrain itself? I mean, gluing it to foam core and cutting and things like that. Some parts of it, though, uh, a lot of it is, there's way too small folds and bits to it that you couldn't have it back. Right. Well, I mean, for the, for the most part, like columns and things like that. Oh, sure. Oh, Okay. And that, that, by the way, Liz, that PDF, I think they include that with every sale. It's yeah. in the package. Mm-hmm. That's actually important, Liz. I hadn't thought of it because, like, you and I have yeah. been to art school. We're pretty handy with an X-Acto blade, I imagine. I know I am. Oh, I yeah. After my, after my 2D and 3D design classes, you know, I've used glue sticks and X-Acto knives and all kinds of crap all over the place now. And <laughs> But, yeah, most people, you know, aren't going to aren't going to have all that stuff on hand and it might not even occur to them that, you know, uh-huh. hey, that would really be cool. <laughs> come yeah. come learn the ways of Michael's art supply. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on to number three. Glenn, what was your number three for this? No, I'm out of stuff. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Make something up. <laughs> um the logo looks nice. No. Um <laughs> No, I, I really think that they do some – I mean, well, I guess it's kind of a criticism. Okay. Oh, Glenn's got a criticism? Wow. Um, the price point's a little high for me. Um, you know, I was – you know, I I know we got like these, you know, gratis and all that kind of stuff because we're reviewing it. But I was looking at the price. It's like this one's at $15 for this one level. Ugh. Um, On the other hand – Compared to buying something from, say, Dwarven Forge. True, true. You know, Yarg. You, you are you are saving an awful lot of money. This is true. Yes, uh, this is true. I've seen the Dwarven Forge stuff, um, which is also beautiful. But damn. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's something to be said to finding an old Hero Quest set. Uh, <laughs> but that's my number three. So was it? What are we on three? Three. Three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, these aren't going to be as heavy. Three, though. sir. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> is it my turn? It, it it's your turn. I was just making a Monty Python joke. That's okay. It is, Jim. I was going to say the exact opposite of what Glenn just said. There's a shocker. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, when you, when you're using the anal vortex. You know that happens sometimes. Well, I know you. You make a good point, which is a lot of gamers are cheapskates, and these price oh, points. Yes. These price points would make some people blink, and and me too. You know, a couple of jobs ago, you know, some of them are 
five ninety nine, some of them are twelve ninety nine, and and I can you know hear it going through people's heads. That's a lot of money to pay for something that just shows up as a PDF. But here's what you're getting for that money: you're getting real, actual painted art. There's a lot of these things out there that the art is rendered much more cheaply. Sometimes it's even just uh, cartoon art, which nothing wrong with that. I do cartoon art myself. You know, the, that's very good. But these pieces have been like painted and textured in an almost photorealistic way. Like mm-hmm. when, when there's an altarpiece or something like that, in a black and white photograph, it looks like it was sculpted in 3D. That's how well rendered some of this stuff is artistically. So you're getting that. It's, it comes with instructions you talked about and just comprehensive folder after folder. So when you pay the twelve ninety nine, you get a zip file that's mm-hmm. just got folders within folders within folders of this stuff. So mm-hmm. that's And really- once you do the layer options, you know, you could make the same building, you know, five or six different ways and you know you have a whole bunch of different buildings pretty much and they did one of my favorite uh just sort of marketing philosophy things where nothing's watermarked or drm they're 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 just trusting people this is a fair price people will buy it and we don't care who steals and copies it here's the art unfettered i mean i I I mean they do they do ask you know please don't file share because it hurts small companies like ours you know they always have that on their sheets but you're right you know they don't do the watermark over it and stuff like that because that's going to ruin the appearance of the thing once you print it out and put it together so you you get a lot of bang for your buck you're spending there Mm -hmm. matt must have thought so he bought them (laughs) yep Yep. oh you yes right you never mind (laughs) number three matt uh my number three i think would be that uh uh, for people like me who are real into building their own terrain and who use a lot of it in their games, you can buy their sets and uh, instead of, uh, inst- you know, there's all the stuff that you can build that uh, I already have, but there's all the cool little pieces like uh, the little bone walls that were in this that are like the little uh, two-inch uh, wide sections of stand-up wall that have art of a like a burial niche full of bones in them. And, uh, that was so, cool. Yeah, yeah. I actually just used that in game uh, yesterday. So uh-huh. uh, the uh, the forge pieces, uh, you can build those independently and integrate them with your own terrain. Uh, there's just so many cool little, you know, set pieces that come with it. That uh, even if you already are into building your own terrain, there's still stuff uh, worth buying this for because of all the neat little kitsch that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. Let me gush a little over you, Matt. Um, I like your setup because he will take, like, he takes the Dwarven Forge stuff. He's got his own um, dungeon rooms and things he puts together with toothpicks and uh, and foam board that he's painted and stuff. He's got old Hero Quest props he puts in there, his own miniatures, and it all fits. It all looks like it's supposed to go together, which is, I think, is very cool. All right. Gushing over. (laughs) Okay. And my number three, pretty similar to what Matt said, you know, the wide variety of buildings, of terrain, of individual pieces. It's, It's so easy to either use all, just use part, or even mix and match from the different, you know, other sets. I know we're primarily talking about Mountain King, but... You could do mixing and matching from just virtually everything that's in the Fat Dragon line 
and, you know, pick and choose what you need. And Mm -hmm. it's very easy to just plop right in there like a puzzle piece. It's kind of difficult because we're talking about a very visual item in an audio Mm -hmm. medium. So, I mean, if you're at all into this kind of thing or interested, you should just go to the FatDragonGames.com website because they have beautiful pictures of exactly what Mm -hmm. you just described, where it's the cardboard pieces that don't look cardboard with actual lead miniatures on them. It is like all mixed and matched. It looks like dioramas. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Right. And since this is an audio medium, take our word for it. Go look at it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Number two, Glenn. Number two, Glenn. Oh, boy. Um, this is going to reverse my last point. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I think they're a little expensive, but as I'm going to agree with Jim. You get your more bang for your buck. Score. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 12. You have converted him. Yeah. See, well, his powers. You know, I'm not. The thing is, I'm not used to paying. Well, most of my. If you look at my RPG down purchases, it's like free, 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 two dollars, free, 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 a dollar and a half, free, free, free. I'm not used to paying more than maybe eight bucks for something on our drive through RPG, and you get hit with boom, twelve to fifteen dollars. You go what? But then you open the thing, and it's like a treasure chest. You know, it's like a chest in a dungeon. You open it, and you got all these goodies that are com- customized. And yes, the layers thing is neat. Uh, I I love that. So yeah, you do get the bang for your buck. So that was the flip side of what I said earlier. Yeah, I don't mean to sound flip because I mean just no. three years ago I was freelancing, which is fancy word for unemployed, and you know <laughs> every, every dollar counted. So. I just meant to make the point that you you are getting your money's worth out of these, even if they seem a little price in the pricey range. Right. Yeah, this is not a one-trick pony. <laughs> okay, Jim, what's your number two? Oh, that was it. That was it? All yeah. right, then. <laughs> well, that was fast. Okay, Matt? <laughs> uh, my number two actually would have was going to be the price. Uh, really, you you just can't beat it for what you get for your dollar. It's it's ridiculously cheap. And fifteen bucks is what a pizza, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that pizza's gone after one evening. You can use the <laughs> not the at my house over and, over and over and over. I like that. I make that last a week, but that's me. No, so. you, you, he chews the cardboard. <laughs> No, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Because that's that's what I meant to be on about is like the cheap, the cheap, the cheapskate gamers that like have a cow that something is eight ninety five for a module when that's one trip through Taco Bell. But yeah, you know they they complain about the twenty dollar yearly membership to our reenactment group, and then in the next breath they're talking about how they went to a concert in Dallas and got seats for eighty bucks a, a seat. It's like okay, obviously you can afford that. You know? So yeah, it's just it's it's weird sometimes. <laughs> I think it's just people having a version to spending that much on a digital product. Yeah. Well, also yeah, I think that's part of it. Also, you know, what's the what's the average age of OSR gamers? We're pushing <laughs> least middle no age. Idea. Yeah. <laughs> At least middle age. I'm sure we're all very young. Okay, <laughs> stand back because he's going up on a soapbox. When I started playing D and D. 
you couldn't even get Xerox copies readily. I mean, it was a big deal. Our first DM had some of the monochrome modules and worked at an office building, and I remember sneaking in there with him at 10 o'clock at night to photocopy those modules. <laughs> wow. So if, if, if you'd have told me in 1979 that someday I would have a magic box on my deck, desk connected to the rest of the world and I could get anything I wanted just by punching a couple of buttons and dinging my checking account, I'd have thought you were crazy. <laughs> but instead you'd use it to look at pictures of cats. <laughs> oh, I, I do that too. And porn. <laughs> I'm sure none of us ever do that. That's no, what, no. And that's what Save or Die Podcast does not approve. <laughs> what, porn? The pictures of cats. <laughs> Features Wait. of cat porn. Porn cat. Never mind. Let's Which, of course, in. is 90% of the internet. But anyway. <laughs> but the porn Fat cat. Dragon games are model building porn. See how I brought that mm-hmm. back? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that worked. See? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay, wrenching us back on topic. Um, my number two would be the ease of construction. Um, even some of, you know, as um, has been mentioned before, there are there in a lot of cases there are two versions of stuff there's what they call the easy version that you can put together that's not quite as full of fiddly bits as the standard version which may be better for more experienced modelers um but even with the the ones that have more of the fiddly bits everything is very clearly marked and you've got little icons that tell you mm-hmm. You know, you fold this, you cut this, these pieces should have glue put on them. And, you know, there's a, there's a legend at the top to remind you of every, at every page, you know, what's what. And it's, it's very easy to decipher and understand. So that, that's my number two. I've, I've printed out some modeling, you know, things for Mike in the past, you know, houses to put together and stuff for his all things zombie game. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And some of those, you've got the model and there's no instructions. You're just assumed that you know enough about putting together cardstock stuff that you're going to understand it. And I'm looking at these sheets that we got printed and going, holy cow, I don't even know what to do with this. Um, but you don't have that problem with the Fat Dragon Games stuff. Toby Terrain says you shouldn't cut here. <laughs> <laughs> and now, what everyone has been waiting for. Number one. What, is your, what is your number one thing, Glenn? Sorry, I'm busy alerting the press on this. Uh, <laughs> um, the overall package is uh, professional. Very well laid out, and it's just a good deal. Let's just leave it at that. Well said. Jim? Man, 1979, Jim, would have been all over these. I mean, my, I guess <laughs> my favorite thing about it is now that I, I, I know I get to be on a podcast where we talk about stuff like this, and now I need I can facilitate anybody who's interested in this that I run into, you know, in the various cons and stuff. I can point them to Fat Dragon Games and go, here, you know. Here's exactly what you want if you don't want to spend $400 on Dwarven Forge. Although I love Dwarven Forge, too. Right. I know where to point people. Yeah, talking about being cheapskate, as much as I love my Dwarven Forge, it's like I see those price points. 
I can't justify paying 200 bucks for a set. Not to mention, we've got a few Dwarven Forge boxes. Those things take up a huge amount of room in mm-hmm. the gaming closet. It's like mm. if you ha- if you had a whole bunch of Dwarven Forge stuff, you know, we might have to move. You know, <laughs> I've, I've, I've got some Dwarven Forge. I, I mainly just use it for diorama setups to photograph miniatures. I wouldn't game with mm-hmm. them, but they're beautiful. But mm-hmm. I mean, this this stuff is for okay. I've got a game. I mean, the convenience of this is the factor where I've got a game next week. I need something tonight. You buy it, you download it, you print it, and let, you know two hours later you've got a, a terrain piece. Yeah, I've got to order Dwarven Forge online and wait for it to show up in the mail. Right. So, Matt, what's your what's your number one favorite or <clears throat> least favorite thing about Fat Dragon Games? My number one favorite would have been the art, but that's already already been touched on. So I don't want to bring it up again. But seriously, it's absolutely beautiful stuff. It, it just really is. So. Since that's already been said, my number one is just Fat Dragon Games in general. They make amazing products, and I cannot more highly recommend the Dungeon Bastard's Guide to Traps. It is one of the greatest things I've ever read. That's right. They put <laughs> and, that out. And uh, it really, if that right there, if that doesn't sell you on Fat Dragon Games stuff, then nothing will, because it was a brilliant book. <laughs> Dungeon Bastard. I love that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> my number one, again, like I like I said earlier, you know, I spoiled you all on it when the first person mentioned layers earlier on. But yeah, that was my number one thing. I'm just, I'm just so all over the whole layers thing. You can take a single building, and by using the different layers. You know, you can customize it to however you want to look. You could make four or five different, you know, versions of the same building using the different layers. And for all intents and purposes, you've got five different buildings now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's amazing. I That is just, it's a brilliant idea. And I don't know if anyone else had thought of that beforehand. But if not, you know, Fat Dragon Games and Tom Tullis is a brilliant criminal genius <laughs> and you don't have to be an artist to do that you could i mean uh, yeah. anybody who's got uh, access to a photo editing app can make one set of dungeon level you know greener than the other or darker mm-hmm. than the other or redder full of more green slime than the other tur- tur- <laughs> turn the lava pool into a radioactive pool just by shifting the color around anybody could do that a radioactive lava pool Even yeah. better. yeah radioactive yellow mold pool Woohoo! Even better. Oh. All right. Well, let's move on into products of your imagination and give these suckers some dragons. Woohoo! Your dungeon master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. They're the Cheetos! They're right next to you. Well, all you do is we play the characters we talked about earlier when we run around and stuff. I want to show you a trick Mother showed me when you weren't around. Use your lightning bolt. Victory is yours. I'm attacking the darkness. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons games. Products of your imagination. You're not there. You're getting drunk. Potty. <laughs> or, Excuse me? Potty. <laughs> Products Poy. of your imagination. <laughs> Mike's a potty mouth. <laughs> Give, giving suckers dragons, sir. Yep. <laughs> All right. We shall start with talking about the format and art shut up glenn 
of <laughs> the mines of yes, Valdhum. Who was that brilliant artist in the minds of all whom? Glenn has been a good boy because we haven't talked about the art the whole podcast yet. I mentioned yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's my that's my new new uh, first name. Shut up, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. S. Glenn. <laughs> so lay it on us, folks. All right. Uh, does anyone have any comments on the format layout? Kind of touched on it lightly earlier. Maps open for him. Yeah, and you got a, anybody want to throw in something that hadn't already been said? Puzzle ever made. <laughs> What's that? I said it's all beautiful. It's the greatest module ever made. Damn, straight. magnificent. <laughs> Damn straight. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm already a fan of Glenn's art uh, style because it's kind of a uh, cross between Ralph Bakshi and Robert Crumb. Um, so, but I, I like that. The only critique I would might make for a future version of this is to just intersperse it with one other artist because uh, I I like the I no Glenn you're like Jim Holloway the, the Jim Jim Holloway the one thing Jim Holloway does great or best the only thing he does good I didn't mean that um, the best thing about Jim Holloway's art is the way he captures a tableau of expressions to everybody in there and that's what you do I mean there's there's, I, there's something going I, on in the heads be quiet I'm, I'm complimenting you there's something going on in the heads of all those characters you know you can see the emotions you can see the feelings it's very expressive and emotive um, thank I, you I might have just liked to have seen you know that balanced with some more uh, straight lace serious you know sword swinging art well, I, I, I try, I try. But thank you, and I'm humbled that you compare me to Jim Holloway, one of my favorite artists. Um, and I'm glad you ignored the fact I put Humphrey the Bear in there. So, uh, <laughs> I like the layout. I mean, I th- it was laid out purposely, If correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, it was laid out purposely to kind of evoke the uh, basic of Bruce Hurd's period two-column gazetteer Type. It, yeah, it was it was based very very specifically on the era of the Thunder Rift modules. So uh, all the stuff from the the Black Box Basic. Uh, then uh, so you have the Assault on Raven's Ruin all the way up uh-huh. through Escape to Thunder Rift or Escape from Thunder Rift. So yeah, it, it was uh, a very I was going for a very specific style with it. Very that nice TSR era kind of feel. the the early nineties. It's, it's the style of TSR. Whenever I first started playing D and D, so okay, very nice. So no way to import any booger art there. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can work on the next release for that. Uh, <laughs> maybe a little, a, a little more boobage. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's all, all right. on Glenn. So yeah. All right. Well, let's get to some dragons then. We're gonna have to leave you out, Liz. Oh man, Jim, dragons. Oh what? Oh me? Um, Jesus. you? God, <laughs> mine. I'm so confused. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with a. I'm, I'm I'm gonna go with a solid five. And Matt, if you weren't on the show, it would still be a five. Thank you so much. I mean, value for All right. what you spend. And five out of five. Five out of five. Roar! All right, Frey, we can't let you vote, Matt. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd give it like uh, go to at least eleven. Yeah, <laughs> eleven hundred. Yeah, eleven hundred. Glenn, 
Four, because he put the damn yellow mold in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could I could be pissy and say, well, he didn't do a rumor table, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give it a five, too. You don't I, have to. That's what I say. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Well, what was yours, a four? Five. Five. Okay. Yeah. I, I well, play, I, keep I, play. My, I keep my uh, title for being the lowest, and I'm giving a 3.5. Why? It's a good module. I wish there was a little more rumor variance. Um, it is straightforward. It's got some good levels. It's a good module. Thank you. It's a solid module. You know, one thing, one one slight criticism I have of it, it's for what levels five to eight? Uh, yeah, about five to seven. Five to that. seven, because this would be, you know, the way it's set up would be a good, like, introductory module. If it if it had if it was if you hate your players, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. It's the perfect character funnel. No level zeros will escape alive. <laughs> well, I know I don't get to vote on this one, but I do want to say I think it is totally cool that you had at one point troglodyte children. Throwing oh, rocks <laughs> at the PCs. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Make it a four. It's thank like, you. Thank you. Because like, I like the chocolate awesome. children, not only for the stone, but of course they have chameleon ability too. Uh huh. They throw the rocks, then they chase them, and the, you know they could just fade into the into the stonework. Which is exactly what they did whenever uh, our party played through this module. <laughs> Sweet. Yes. All right. So. Man, those kids are kicking your butt. <laughs> Damn, I would have gotten away with it, too, if it hadn't been for those meddling troglodyte kids. And their stupid and hellhound. Stupid dwarf. <laughs> All right. Now I'll turn over to Liz so y'all can give dragons. Although I do want to ask one thing about the <laughs> of the Mountain King. Yes. <laughs> How many buildings come in that set? Infinite. <laughs> Obviously, you can print as many of of X, Y, or Z as you need to with modifications. But Fat how many are games? Stock? We expect your check in the mail. <laughs> Believe me, they don't have to send us a check. <laughs> Does anybody know? Uh, I I didn't count, but there counts. Were... Well, it, no, I... really, it's 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 totally set up uh, so it's infinite amount of rooms. There's there's no specific. Uh, way to set it up. So it just gives you the tools to create literally whatever layout you want, and then it gives you the fluff pieces to put in them so that it makes it dwarfy and mountainy. I think okay, so is this exteriors or interiors? Interiors. Ah, oh, okay, that's a, okay. That's the difference. I, I think I was, what Mike is asking is how many PDFs come with the <laughs> came with the set, right? Oh, uh, yes. No, actually, I was thinking of it more as exterior. Oh, things never. as well as interior, but apparently no, it's all no, interior. It's, all interior. So never mind. Yeah. it's it's I, tiled, uh, it's tiled and it's modular and it's really plush with like <coughs> extra accoutrements, like Matt was saying later. Yeah. So thrones. Okay. I brought what happened was I brought some of these to Office Depot to print out for Matt to use in the game so he could try them out. And I think I counted like counted like something like twenty six, twenty eight PDFs, some of which were multiple pages. Yeah. See, that's another bang for your buck right there. So for yeah. fifteen bucks, you're getting quite a. Quite a pile there. Quite a yeah. whole lot and of they stuff. generally break them down into subsections. You've got subfolders of walls, subfolders <clears throat> for doors, 
subfolders for, you know, archways, pillars, um, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so everything of like items are generally, you know, together in their own subfolder. Um, and very, very well laid out, and it's easy okay. to find what you're looking for. Enough right. to drive the FedEx Kinko's guy is insane when you hand him your flash drive. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want this one. It's right there. It's down there, down there, down there. <laughs> I count forty. Okay. I count forty-three PDFs. All right. Okay. And that's in the twelve ninety-nine set, right? That is in the twelve ninety-nine set. See, that's, that's so. It's not even fifteen. It's twelve ninety-nine. Cool. Well, let's look at the other. All right. Any last comments for dragons? No. Yeah, I, I think we. I think we pretty much have all agreed. You know, the there's a lot of content. The the format is very intuitive. Um. In in my opinion, anyway, as I mentioned on the ease of construction, you know the tabs all have the the little icons on them that tell you you know glue this one you know or if you don't want to if you don't have to glue that one it doesn't have the little glue drop icon on it. Um, it's laid out so that even even someone like me with very minimal card modeling skills under my belt can feel, you know, I, I can feel confident that I can do a decent job putting this stuff together. Okay. All right, then. Well, give us some dragons. We'll start with uh, you, Liz. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to give the product, I'm going to give it a five. I am, I'm so impressed with this stuff. Uh, like I said earlier, I haven't used a lot of modeling terrain in the past you know we've got a couple of boxes of dwarven forge stuff which is gorgeous but i've never wanted to actually use it because it's a it's a pain in the butt to take out of the box the box is big it's bulky it's heavy i don't want to carry it around if we go say to a convention and have this huge box of stuff um i think alan grow with his aliens game i tip my hat to him with those gigantic boxes of yeah. all of that stuff that he carts around and puts together the game. Every I, year. I know. I mean, it looks gorgeous, but I personally would not want to fool with it. And, you know, my hat's off to him for, for doing it. Um, but with this stuff, you know, it's lightweight. It's easy to carry around. It's not going to weigh half a ton once you put it together. <laughs> you know, I'd be far more likely to use terrain and interiors made out of this than out of something bulkier and heavier. So, yeah. That's a good I'd, point to make as far as can, uh, con use. Yeah. This I mean, I know we've talked practical. about... Yeah, I know we've talked about you and I occasionally bringing your Dwarven Forge stuff to, say, mm. North Texas for a, you know doing a pickup game or whatever. And I would say almost... You know, I think we did actually bring it once, but we never used it. And the other times we talked about bringing it, we decided we didn't want to because it was just such a pain. Too much of a pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Well, that that cuts both ways. You're never going to kill anybody with these fat dragon train pieces, but you could take somebody down with a Dwarven Forge chunk. <laughs> Unless it was a really big You're- paper cut. Yeah, I was about to say you're underestimating the power of a paper cut, Jim. Oh, maybe. And then have a, like a, a squirt gun of lemon juice. Yeah. You, know? yeah, you I, could really work. I was it. thinking in terms of so, ranged yeah. missile attack. 
to make to make a a very long rambling story short, I give it five dragons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jim. You know, until three D uh, printer technology gets cheap enough for everybody, this is the thing. So I'm going to give it a five. Okay, Matt. Uh, no question of five. Uh, this, along with everything else I've ever had from Fat Dragon, it, it's just it's top notch. You can't beat it. Okay, Glenn. Fünf. 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 That's five. Is it okay. past your bedtime, Glenn? Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's five in German. Um, yeah, that's just a quality product that gets that can be reused and reused and reused. Okay. All right. Well, that gives us a five out of five then for the Fat Dragon Games, and I'm sure. Matt will be happy that uh, Mines comes out as 4.666. It was fate. It was fate. It was. (laughs) Well, that's it. And another episode comes to an end, and another dusty road looms out before us. How are we going to head down the road this time, Liz? <laughs> yeah, Liz. I am heading down the road being chased by a group of troglodyte children. Throwing ah, you, stole <laughs> you stole mine. <laughs> you can run with me. No, no, the magic's gone. You don't, you don't want to be with me. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> My All right, Jim. too good for you. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going down the road turning undead dwarves while I'm singing a bird song. <laughs> Woohoo! Glenn? Well, I'm going to do this for Matt because it looks like Matt had to take off real quick. Um, oh, Matt God. is probably joining the troglodytes and throwing the rocks at you, Liz. <laughs> yeah. And he's just providing the rocks. He's yeah. handing the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to take those ropes I broke off the roper and fasten them into a lasso. And try and catch one of them troglodytes so I could ride him into the sunset. <laughs> well, I'm going down the road rubbing the limbs of that tree because I'm supposed to give you good luck <laughs> while I'm waiting for my cauldron of yellow mold to be ready. Hey, that's, yum, yum. that's what yum, the rumor yum. said, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly what the rumor said. Wow. A cauldron of yellow mold. You are lucky. Yum. All right. Well... We'll see everybody on the next episode. Yep. Take care, everyone. See ya. Bye-bye. Good Good night, everybody. The Sing or Die podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with D20Radio.com. The Sing or Die theme music is provided by the band Mississippi Bones. You can find them at mississippibones.bandcamp.com. Subliminal commands for tonight's episode were provided by the demon spawn of Mr. and Mrs. Wampler. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Save or Die.